Jurassic Park 3 Minute, we'll be discussing the second Jurassic Park sequel, one minute at a time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're back to discuss Minute 40 of Jurassic Park 3, but before we get to that, David, this uh, last couple of weeks, or even the last week, fans have been thrown into a frenzy by a uh, title that appeared briefly on Netflix. <laughs> Jurassic World Cretaceous Camp. No, Camp Cretaceous. Camp Cretaceous. Um... Yeah, yeah. It was up there, like, very briefly. I don't even think it was up there for a full 24 hours. Mm. Yeah, At least that, not after it was discovered. <laughs> nah, there has been a sort of a corresponding logo going around as well, which we've learnt is actually fake and just sort of fan mock-up. But Yeah. This is this is pure speculation. There's nothing apart from that title that came up and disappeared. I think Universal have confirmed that it is licensed under their name. That's what's coming from the um, the Outpost article here, anyway. That um, it could be a universal partnership, so it could be. I was also thinking um, children's show as well, or even like I know that um, what was it? We did we discuss about how Mattel is licensing uh, like twenty of their properties out to uh, make TV shows. I we may have mentioned it briefly before, but you can you can bring it up again. So yeah, so Mattel is also um, licensed out twenty of their brands to become television shows. I'm not sure if it's through Netflix or through whom, but um, there's been speculation that Jurassic Park might be among those since it's one of the best-selling brands that they've currently got, and this could be it, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, it definitely possibly could be. Um, if we we knew that was coming for a while now, and if you got Mattel making all the money on the toys and Netflix and Universal partnering up, then the budget should be there for something good. But I suppose in in a bit of speculation territory here, I, we can pretty much confirm what it's not going to be. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a TV series based before the opening or the Jurassic Park incident. No. It's not going to be a rounding up the dinosaurs on Nublar before the opening of Jurassic World and the building of Jurassic World? No, though that actually did make something of an appearance. Apparently there is a Jurassic Park animated series pro... um, It was like some kind of promotional thing that would have been shown to Spielberg, but Spielberg never got to see it, and it's now making the rounds among like the behind-the-scenes of the Jurassic community. Uh, so it's been leaked out. <laughs> yeah. That's a shame. I'm not sure if the whole thing has been leaked out, or just the one image we know of that has been leaked out. But, yeah, from what sources have told me, it's real. Hmm. Like, this is actually something that, it was a pitch trailer that had been put together and just never used, and this was for the, um, the Jurassic Park animated series that had been originally pitched to Spielberg before The Lost World. That's interesting. I suppose one other thing that could boost that as what this possibly could be is the fact that Universal have already got one deal with exclusivity for Netflix for their upcoming Fast and the Furious animated series, which is getting done by DreamWorks Animation. So that's coming out later this year. Um, And that's the Fast and the Furious is one of their other big, big franchises. So if they've already got that going to animation, then maybe... Maybe this is going to be an animated feature and not live action, a live action TV show type thing. 
another thing to consider is the fact I was, oh, was going to say the another thing to consider is that it might be Lego, but it probably isn't just because I know that a lot of, of kind of the Lego Jurassic World stuff has been getting promoted a bit. But if it was Lego, I would imagine it would say like Jurassic World Lego Camp Cretaceous or, some, or Lego Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous or something like that. Yeah, plus they're already working on a Lego feature for this year already. I don't think they'd have plans for something for 2020 yet. So, yeah, I think we can rule out Lego, probably. Yeah, yep. So, I in the in the title itself, I, I I don't with live action. The problem is a lot of the sets, a lot of the sets no longer exist. Um, they'd have to build the budget behind it to build anything if it if it sort of goes on coexisting while Jurassic Parks while Jurassic World's open. If it's if it's something set on Nublar during the days of the park being open, and it's sort of like somewhere for the kids to go to while the parents are out golfing or or something like that that's maybe not the petting zoo or maybe attached to the petting zoo, but there's a big budget there they've got to sort of pay for for either sets or animatronics or even the CG dinosaurs themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another problem is budget just because, I mean, CGI is expensive, for, uh, especially good CGI, which you come to expect from the Jurassic World brand. And it's just interesting because I remember the Lost World TV show when I was a kid from the 90s. Not sure if you remember that. And I remember watching it every every week and always be dis- disappointed every time because they barely showed any dinosaurs. Ever. <laughs> but not even the dinosaurs, like the, the giant bees or any, any, any of the other sort of mythical things they come across or, or animals they come across were the same sort of problem because it was all, being that time of the 90s, it was all CG and not, they didn't even get someone in a suit for the most part. Um I suppose one other thing to sort of tie in this briefly as well is the fact that Steven Spielberg's recently got up on the Apple Apple bandwagon with um, their new Apple TV service they're bringing out and making making a show for that, and then all of a sudden this Netflix thing appears and disappears pretty much in the same week. You'd think if there was anything Jurassic-related for Netflix, Spielberg would have to have some sort of say in it. Mm-hmm. I'd assume I'd assume he'd be similar to the Lucas the pre Disney buyout anyway of Lucas film, where George Lucas had final say on whatever was coming out of the studio, because Spielberg's still pretty heavily involved in the Jurassic franchise even if he's not sitting in the main chair. That's true. I mean, he is, but only as an executive producer. I think it's pretty much he's passed that torch on to Trevorrow from the, uh, pretty much, mm. whereas Trevorrow is more the day-to-day overseer of the Jurassic franchise these days, taking over from what Spielberg used to be doing that. But then again, Spielberg was never really attached to the Jurassic Park franchise as much as Lucas was to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. True. And mostly because of Lucas was being attached to Star Wars. Uh, Spielberg and Lucas were friends way back, and he just saw what he just saw Lucas become enveloped in Star Wars, and was like, nah, I don't want that. Well, that's it. You can only imagine if Spielberg come back and directed these these three new films, much like George went back and all come out and done the prequel trilogy. The time will tell what what this is going to be. There's 
the speculation all over the place is, is what people are hoping for in certain groups and social media and it's just it's just way too early it's all it's all hope at the moment mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is good that there is something coming because said like the last couple of years they've they've released these Lego features and yes it's um it's extra Jurassic content but it's not really canon it's, it's more for the younger the younger people so yeah this is how you make dinosaurs no this is how you play God all right uh, last we forgot before we get into today's minutes, uh, these last couple of weeks we've been discussing a lot about the laboratory complex and uh, everything inside and outside of it, and we've been bringing up a lot of the uh, Lost World novel and some of the comparisons there. Uh, if you haven't got the novel or if you haven't read it for a while, you can head over to Jurassic... Jurassic... Why do I always have such an issue with this? <laughs> head over to Jurassic-pedia.com and um, there is a lab entry over there done by CT1138. Do we know that person or are they no longer on there? Oh, of course I know. He's me. Oh, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll amend that. So head over there. There is an entry on the laboratory complex done by David, yours truly. <laughs> we don't have a lot of photos. We've only got really that map image from the open, from the first page of some of the, bit, some of the mm-hmm. books. But, uh, Dave, you've got a full write-up here of um, the lab as we sort of walk through it in the novel. Yeah, there's pretty much went through the novel and just not copied word for word, but just pretty much transferred the entire description of the complex to Pedia. Yep, yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of good stuff in there. Like I do love when they start getting the assembly bays and that, and you've got the just like just like the wall signs. There's been authorized personnel only and just stuff like that. And the little the little note they find in the locker about observing sterile precautions. And safety is everyone's business. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Kirby, the chances are remote they're still in the vicinity. Alright, ready to get into minute 40. Sure. As we entered minute 39 of Jurassic Park 3, Amanda had started to walk amongst the large specimen tubes filled with formaldehyde until she came to one with seemingly preserved raptor head inside. As we're over minute 40, she slowly peers towards the tube. Inside, the raptor eye focuses, and she pulls back, startled. The raptor immediately springs its trap, moving to the right and sticking its head between the two tanks. But the gap's too narrow, and the body can't fit through there. And Amanda screams. At the nine-second mark, she starts running down the production floor. The raptor turns and parallels the movements behind the tanks. A group come to the end of the production floor and head into a small corridor. The raptor finds a broken tank and leaps between the gap, chasing after. At the 16 second mark, we cut to a corridor, as Alan and the others run down, trying to find an escape. They enter a room with long rows of cages, and run down to the end of the corridor, only to find a door locked. When they turn to run back in the direction they just come, the raptor slides in a wet spot, and blocks their escape. At the 40 second mark, Udesky calls this way, this way, and takes Paul and Grant with him, into a nearby cage and they close the door. Behind them, Paul and Amanda run through another cage, but before they can get the door closed, the raptor slams into it. They try and hold the cage door closed, but the raptor's too strong and slowly pushes it open and round until it comes to meet the cage wall behind, trapping Billy and Amanda in a small space, but keeping them safe from the raptor. At the 
50 second mark. Udesiki's calling. Hey, over here, over here. But the raptor's focused on Billy and Amanda, snarling, trying to get through to Meshgate. And as the minute ends, the raptor slowly looks upward and realises there's an opening at the top of the gate. Before we go into 40, uh, last week when we had Jay on, we are discussing a lot about the um, hatchery production floor and everything else, but one little thing we didn't really discuss was the uh, the eggs themselves and whether we thought they hatched on their own and then ran off, or if some were eaten by animals that had been released by InGen. I've got Jay's notes here. I've sent him a message, and he's, uh, he's pretty much agreed with me how maybe the young raptors and that had been released by InGen, and they've come in and eaten the food, and that's one reason why they hang around this facility and nest near it, because um, it was a food source for a long time, um, especially if you've got other hatching facilities or hatching rooms elsewhere as well. David, what do you think? Do you reckon some of these eggs had live infants in them, or when the power was switched off, that's it, they'll dead and become food? Um, I have to say that most of them probably became food, if only because... I mean, these are hatchlings. They require a lot of care, pretty much like any newborn animal of any sort. You're going to be basically uh, handling this little baby dinosaur for the next couple weeks or so until it can basically get big enough to uh, move and kind of fend on its own. And so, I mean, even at the height, the... They're about waist height to a man, and about even at that height, if one were to try to jump to the uh, factory floor, it'd probably break a leg and die there on the on the floor, and then get scavenged by something that had already been born and released. Yeah, yeah, and that's well, even before they get to falling off the table itself, they've got the the glass domes over them, so having to get out of there would be another another challenge as well. And yes, some of them are broken, but that could have come from later on. It could have even come from the hurricane. Uh, when they're walking down the stairs and you see some of those second-story catwalks walking around, there's railings that are bent and broken. So mm-hmm. it makes you wonder how damage like that can happen inside a building, especially when the windows seem intact. There's no wind in there. It can only be from animals being inside. And whether whether some of the eggs were close enough to term to hatch and they did hatch on their own out of survival because the incubators were off, I have to say that any that hadn't hatched probably did get scavenged as well. You know, I mean, most carnivores will eat just about anything. I can imagine raptors getting in there and just tearing open the eggs and eating whatever was inside. Yeah, I do think there might have been a bit of a time frame there too. Like, the eggs probably would have died long before they were eaten. <laughs> Depending how long it took the raptors and other animals to come back. Because you got the compies in that too that probably would have made a meal of it. But even, even if the animals did sort of get to the ground and still survive, being that young, it's mentioned in the novel a little bit how they were feeding the animals that young milk, a milk product, mm-hmm. until I think it was six weeks or seven weeks before they could start to eat solid foods, and animals that small aren't going to survive. It's It's been one of the biggest um, sort of speculation points too with Jurassic Park and post-Jurassic Park, those eggs we see there, if, if they were left to hatch, um, if that counted for any sort of wild raptor population on Nublar before um, before plans of Jurassic World and it's sort of a similar thing there, well the animals aren't going to be able to fend for themselves that young especially if there's compies on Nublar which has always been up in the air yes we know sort of from DPG and that that compies are only there because they come over by the boat from 
uh, new blah, and we never got them on the the dinosaur lists for the park. So, but yeah, I just thought we we need to bring up <laughs> bring up that little plot point before we moved on. Yeah. As we continue into 40, Amanda peers in close to this tank and we can see that male raptor head. Mm. Sort of, you got those distinctive quills on its head um, and a lot more coloration what we've seen in the raptors previously. Mm. And we get sort of possibly the worst look T.L. Leone gives in this film where she's sort of got that dopey face <laughs> looking towards the tank like she's looking over a set of spectacles or something. It's just it's mm. really weird. <laughs> I- I do like the shot that we get back at it when she's peering in closer and we get the close-up there of the eye. That is a really good shot, and it's only a shame that the green of the glass is kind of just ruining the look. I went and um, took a screen cap of the of that shot and then just remo- uh, kind of uh, decreased the green levels in the image. Yep. And you get some really, you get a really nice look at the raptor's coloration in this shot with the red across, along the crest on the snout and the blue surrounding the eye. You know? Yeah, and it's sort of returned to the avian style as well, where the sort of raptors in Jurassic Park were more cat like, and then we've seen a bit of a um, mix. Mm-hmm. I believe we've seen a bit of a mix in the Lost World. They weren't just cat eye, you had some of these avian eyes as well, which just sort of lent to either different version numbers or the different broods they were creating in here. Uh, I think they pretty much all had the uh, slanted cat eyes. They were all, they were all the males of the uh, female variation, so I, I don't think oh. that I don't think that look changed. I think it was only the color coloration of the eye that changed from yeah. like an acid green to a acid yellow. Yeah, I do like though that what you like what you said though the avian look in the eye, especially with the um, it almost looks like they give them an iris, mm. you know, or not an iris. What is that? It's the iris, right? The yeah, yeah, it's iris. The piece yeah. around the pupil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it goes it goes from the red coloration to a like a fiery yellow coloration, and then we see then there's the pupil. And that's a bit more than what they did for the T-Rex for the first two movies, where it was just yellow eyes and a black pupil, you know? Yeah, well, you can sort of see here, as it as its eye moves, um, it sort of looks like that, that black spot gets bigger or smaller, like it's, it's irising or in or out. Because it would have been looking at her as she was approaching, and now it's, she's close. It'd have to shift its focus. Well, another it's thing I like is that the eye itself doesn't just move, the whole socket moves. So mm. Stan Win- and this is all an animatronic work in the shot. So you know mm-hmm. Stan Winston made it so that when the eye so- when the eye moves, the whole socket kind of flexes there. And uh, yeah, it's just great, <laughs> great to have the um, animatronic doing work like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks fantastic. But as you say, it's just got that green filter over it, which just sort of takes some of the color out of it. Mm. Well, we do get good uh, close-up headshots of this. Mm. Uh, of this animatronic later in the movie. Yeah, yep, yep. But uh, just as Amanda notices, she gives that little, huh, <laughs> sort of look, and uh, the raptor strikes and moving to the side of the tank and trying to lunge through at her, and she pulls back in fright, but um, the raptor can't sort of get those hips between the yeah. between the two tanks, which is plot a uh, plot convenience. <laughs> yeah, true. 
But I do like the uh, look that we get here of the raptor. The, um, what was it, the Jurassic Park 3 Alpha Raptor toy? Had this mm. uh, same look with the, um, with like the brownish skin and then the red, uh, the red striping going down the back. It sort of reminds me, like, you'd change the colors around a little bit, and you'd nearly have the same patterns as blue. Mm-hmm, that's true. Sort of. I think here it's more of a whiter, whiter stripe that goes the full length of it, mixed in with those reds and greys. Mm-hmm. But uh, we cut to Grant reacting while he's looking closely at the empty incubator, and Paul snaps up as well, and then we cut to behind the raptor as it's struggling to fit between the tanks. And sort of interesting, in the tank to the left of it, we can see... It seemed to have been a fetus at one stage, but that's just sort of all disintegrated. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was it was a lot older. It almost looks like a Dilophosaurus, I'd say. Mm. Amanda screams and runs further into the area, and the raptor pulls back and sort of follows alongside, um, but on the opposite side of the tanks. And we get a shot pulled back at the opposite tanks as Grant and Paul um, start running past the staircase and leading that leads up to one of the catwalks above, and we're sort of right down the bottom corner of this hatching facility now mm-hmm. it's interesting because if you look you if you look at they're both at the like the end of like you said they're at the end here and there's two staircases coming down but if you look at the end of the opposite staircase from which they're running past there appears to be a door there mm. which would imply that and you could almost almost like make out like more tubes of some sort it makes me want to bring up the idea of Maybe Wu was also keeping embryos on Sona as well as Nublar. Mm-hmm. When I, when I was thinking, actually, when I was a kid, I used to think that um, be that there was the two uh, cryo units because Wu had one for the for a set aside for the Nublar list and another set aside for the Sorna list, which of course is <laughs> silly, but I, that's right. That was a kid. Yeah, and the door, the door itself looks very, that, that heavy militaristic door, it sort of reminds me a lot of the control room door mm-hmm. from Jurassic Park. And it's painted in the same color of the emergency door that they used, um, that they kind of mocked up uh, onto the side of the um, embryonics laboratory. So mm. it's, like a, it's, like, it's like an emergency door and you never really see it. But if you open it, it doesn't really lead anywhere. It's just one of it's just like one of those fake false doors. <laughs> yeah, just sit in the wall. But it's painted the same color, and it said. And if you look at this one, it has an exit sign over it, and a fire. And looks like possibly even a fire um, alarm thing. So I wonder if this is an emergency door. It would lead out to other parts of the complex if, in case of an evacuation. Well, we mentioned over the last couple of minutes too with Jay about the possibility of um, possible tours happening here, whether it was led by Hammond or even Hammond himself touring. Um, these catwalks themselves being up on the second floor where you get it, or first floor where you get a good view over the production floor itself, they don't seem to lead or have access to the, the robot arms or other machinery. It just sort of runs the length of the facility and goes out through these exit doors. I wonder if this is sort of designed for VIPs and that to tour the facilities and not be down mm-hmm. in the sterile environment with the eggs and everything else. Mm-hmm. There'd be another possibility too, especially when you have, like, I mean, it's almost like an overseer catwalk and you got the slaves down in the pits. <laughs> you know? Very well-paid slaves tending to eggs. 
maybe, maybe not. I mean, you, you, we really don't know the conditions of the workers in at uh, Isla Sorna, and they very well they could have just used a bunch. They could have just trained a bunch of uh, like locals to use this uh, these this equipment. Never really told them what the eggs were doing, and, and I'd imagine like workplace rumors. They're building a park island, you know. Remember the in the first novel how that construction worker building of the raptor pit was attacked by one by a raptor and he was just a he was just some Costa Rican kid. Yeah, I suppose the one thing's missing from these catwalks is either access to like mechanical access to the arms or something for maintenance work or some sort of control panel because if these are automated arms they're going to be doing their thing down on the production floor and. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let personnel down there between incubators when these things are flying backwards and forwards mm-hmm. as well. So, well, that's a, that brings up another interesting question because as Grant kind of heads down the hallway towards the kennels, you can see what appears to be a small television or even security screen mm. uh, sitting on one of the computer near one of the computer towers. Yeah. And even on the incubator themselves, they seem to have a recessed screen at the very front of them, but there's no no way of inputting information. Like, there's no keypad. It's just a screen mm-hmm. that um, shows information. So However, I don't the think incub- they would have had touch screens. The back incubators then. themselves did have computer keypads on on them with like a like with like a number thing and a keypad to enter information. And was, oh, okay. I, I can't remember if they had a screen. They might have, but yeah, the they might have done that through the incubators themselves and then set parameters for what the arms would do. Mm. And I did, um, last week I did get in, got a couple of screen caps and lighten them up a bit and just the, the, the work, the detail, the prop market went to the putting or prop works to, um, add stuff to the end of those robotic arms is there's about four different attachments on either side of the arms, all different, different heads and, um, attachments for I don't know what any of it would would do with eggs like not one of them's got a claw or something to pick the eggs up so it's just um it's just weird they went into that much detail on these arms when they didn't really need to and there's no explanation of what any of that stuff actually does but but yeah on the ground level here I love at the end of the row of tanks there's a heap of blue toolboxes and other debris that make it look like a bit of a workshop. Mm -hmm. It looks like someone's been there working on a car or something, um, which is very odd for a production floor unless this is the maintenance area, but still you'd want some sort of um, sanitation or being sterile environment in there. Well, it's possible that they were actually kind of fixing up the equipment and uh, by they I mean engine Masrani when they came back in 1999 and they yeah, had to point. maybe fix some of the equipment and refurbish it to do what they were doing and um, then just left the stuff there when they cleared back out. Well, and one of the easy ways to sort of go ahead with that is, okay, maybe they did get one of the other production floors up and running and they were working or getting started on this one when they decided to pull out. It'd be one way of writing around the fact that this sort of look, this one here looks like it was just abandoned and mm-hmm. not sort of re reworked. But uh, as they sort of run out of this area, we cut back to the Raptor, which has found a gap between a broken tank and another tank wide enough for it to fit, and it sort of leaps between the two. And then we cut to a hallway. Uh, as you mentioned before, Grant runs out 
and is followed by everyone else. And again, you sort of get that heavy set door that they run out of. Mm-hmm. And a real futuristic looking fire extinguisher hanging <laughs> on the wall. I was just thinking the same thing. It looks like something out of like Rocketeer or something. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But we sort of get um, cages lining that wall, and on the left hand wall, seems to be solid, and you get them small barred windows high up, which looks like they're at the outside of the main building here. Mm-hmm. Now, we see they run down this hallway. There's possibly other hallways they ran to before they got to here, which was other parts of the building. But um, this is sort of the start of what we got to the kennels. Um, as they run deeper, they come to a dead end. And again, like before when we are in the Embryonics Administration building, I'm loving the lighting here. Um, you sort of got that soft sunlight shining down through the skylights. Mm-hmm. You've got those dirty, big square dirty windows again. And just sort of, just, just the way to set, like there's a trolley, there's some sort of debris on the ground, um, there's that hose reel hanging on the top on the side of one of the cages mm-hmm. obviously for cleaning out the hallway and as they get down to uh the end of this corridor of cages they come to a locked gate which interesting enough is locked by just a standard key lock it appears <laughs> no no electronic panel here for uh locking the locking this gate but they turn and start back but the raptor arrives at the end of the corridor and i love how it sort of slides on a puddle as it comes to a stop yeah and I do think it's interesting how the way that this looks, it almost reminds me of puppy mills in a way. Yeah. I mean, you ever see those images of the puppy mills and how they're dirty and dingy and kind of nasty like this? Yeah, sadly, it's all about how getting as many as they can into the small space so they can make more. Precisely, yeah. But also, too, like they're this, where they come to the end of this corridor and found the locked gate, they're pretty much nearly at one wall where the raptor is as well um, is another wall. So this isn't a very wide room or area. This is very narrow, a lot narrower than the hatching production floor we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, they're probably just for, for set reasons. <laughs> they didn't want to make it a massive, massive hall with um, cages in it. But we do get sort of different sizes. You get sort of little cages stacked on top of each other, which might have been compies or small raptors or smaller animals and you do have sort of like the people size cages here as well with the larger doors what i'm amazed about is there's still hay and it almost looks fresh <laughs> yeah yep well yeah in in drier climates hay would stay around for that long but because it's especially when you see the water on the floor where the raptor is like the either the roof's leaking or that hose on the wall's leaking or there's water and dampness getting into this building so the hay would would rot and it'd be black and rotten long ago mm-hmm. and also here too as they're sort of looking back at the raptor you can see sort of these little pedestals with the keypads on them which um which would be sort of the access for these smaller cages mm-hmm. and that small cart or cage like cart that's in front of them as well but they panic and split up grant and paul and Udesky head into a nearby cage and billy and amanda run down the corridor again and then the raptor sort of gives chase as it's running down the corridor, snarling, and Amanda and Paul, uh, that should be Billy, Amanda and Billy start to close the gate behind them, but the raptor's right there, and it crashes into the gate and sort of pushes them up against the wall, and the gate comes around, blocks them in, and Billy and Amanda can't really hold it back as it does, as it, does it. And that's when they them two get trapped, and it sort of snarls and growls at them through the mesh. Mm-hmm. I do like how the um, how the raptors claws hook into the mesh here. 
it's kind of a mm. cool look. And again, just animatronic hands there. Whether they've sort of got that little bit of a wiggle from the animatronic itself moving, so I don't think they're like a. It's just a puppet hand. It's not an animatronic hand. Because I don't think we see the claws curl, do we? No. I, I like you said. I think there it's a puppet hand with a um, animatronic head insert. Mm. And just the detail, like those those lovely claws and, and the fingers, just. I would have loved to see them slash something in this film. <laughs> but as we get as we get into another minute later, we will see that uh, this film could have been a lot darker. Back with the others, um, Grant Paul and Yudesky called to the Raptor saying, hey, over here, which that always helps in films. And um, we didn't see their gate lock. They're sort of risking their own lives by calling the Raptor over and trying to lure it over. But as the minute ends, um, we get that sort of choir score pick up as the Raptor looks up towards the top of the gate and sees that it's open, or there's an opening up there where it can climb up and um, and sort of come down on top of them since they're trapped in there. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the kennels you want to bring up before we get into script and novel comparisons? Uh, no, I think we're good with that. All right. In the script, um, it's Paul that leads them out of the production area, and he ducks into a room and cries to the others over here, and they close the door behind him. They take in the area cages, most with open doors, uh, they start running between them as the raptor crashes through the door. Udesky and Billy run into a nearby cage and close the door. Grant, Amanda and Paul run into another. But the raptor is right there and they are forced back against a chain link wall trapped in a small triangle by the advancing door. Or advancing raptor. That should, probably should be. Um, so yeah, it's just a little bit of a difference on who's doing what here in the, uh, in the script. And in the novel, again, it's Alan Lee and the group... Um, through the lab looking for safety the group races down a long hallway checking doors for possible routes or hiding places but like most of them are locked and uh, Paul ducks into a nearby door the others follow and Alan slams the door shut but it's electronic so it's useless and uh, the rest pretty much happens exactly the same as we get in the film uh, Dave that's minute 40 anything else you want to add before we get here for the day we're good alright if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at lostworldminute.com. The main website is jurassicminutes.wordpress.com and you can find the Lost World Minutes and Jurassic Minutes over on Facebook with the uh, pages there. David, where are you on Twitter and Instagram? Uh, Twitter, we are at Jurassic Minute. Uh, Instagram is the Jurassic Minutes Podcast. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. This is how you make dinosaurs? This is how you play God. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. Dinosaurs lived 65 million years ago. What is left of them is fossilized in the rocks. And it is in the rock that real scientists make real discoveries. Now what John Hammond and InGen did at Jurassic Park is create genetically engineered theme park monsters. Nothing more and nothing less. Uh, are you saying that you wouldn't want to get onto Isla Sorna and study them if you had the chance? No force on Earth or Heaven could get me on that island. you desky. Hello? Charlie! Charlie! Charlie, take the phone to mommy now. It's the it's the dinosaur there. Okay.
I don't know if I should have. I um I went and seen the Lego movie last night, the second one. <laughs> and um actually I might mention that later on because I was gonna bring up how much Velociraptors like tennis balls. 